The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Schroeder, it's off a line drive kick at the numbers. Martin Manley just went 83 yards with a puck. Is he going to take this one all the way? Yes, he is. Touchdown, Iowa. Back to back for Cavante Martin Manley. He follows the seventh longest punt return for touchdown in Iowa school history. An 83-yarder with a 63-yarder, and Iowa has opened it up. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes. Mike, this podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeyes star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's dominating win over Western Michigan, and he previews the upcoming road game against Minnesota in the annual battle for Floyd of Rosedale. We also have our weekly Big Ten Conference update. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Baldonado and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeyes Susan Dank and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out both of the Reporters Notebook shows this week featuring Scott Docterman and Susan Dank. The Iowa Western Michigan game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Wayne Larravee and John Jansen. A great job in play-by-play and analysis. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hawkeye's Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's win over Western Michigan, and he previews the Minnesota game and the start of the Big Ten season. Marv, your overall thoughts on the Western Michigan win. Iowa wins big over the Broncos. In my game story, I called it a Mac exorcism. Broke a couple of two-game losing streaks there. But you've been asking for this for a long time. Sort of a breather, pedal the metal, never take the foot off the throat. Keep getting the points that you need to get to give your team the experience and the sense of that kind of a win. Exactly. And then ultimately get get guys that maybe need to play in week seven, eight, nine in the Big Ten schedule, some experience, some game experience. So that was, for me, if you don't get anything else out of it, the ability for kids to get some snaps in a Big Ten stadium against a, you know, a fairly quality op- opponent is going to be very, very valuable as we get into the Big Ten schedule. Yeah, interesting thing about that, it wasn't just a couple of series. They played the majority of the second half. Yeah, no, and it was uh, it was great to see, obviously. And, and you know, you, you want to see receivers, you want to see running backs, you want to see linemen get that experience because, you know, inevitably it's a tough physical game and you're going to need, you know, two or three guys are going to need to step up and play for us, you know, as we get in the heart of our schedule. I didn't go back and look in the record book. I run out of time. But did you ever play, were you ever on the Western Michigan side of that kind of a score, either in college or the pros? Oh, I'm sure I have been. I mean, I try to probably for, try to forget about it, but uh, I'm sure I have been at some point in time. But that's not fun. It's not. It's definitely not fun to be in that situation. They've had a tough road. I mean, they, you know, 
they schedule three Big Ten teams, and obviously it's great payday for the university and the program, but you know, it, it would be very, very difficult at that level to get up three out of four consecutive weeks and, and play at a high level, and I think you know, kind of Iowa was a benefactor of them kind of just saying, hey, let's get to conference play. Easier to, in terms of your psyche to wash that kind of a loss out, though, as opposed to like a heartbreaker last second couple of points. You know, it's six one we have does the other. I mean, it's 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 it can go either way. I mean, it's that's some, sometimes that's hard to forget because you may want to convince yourself that you think you're really good and can play with anybody, but when you look back at a score like that, you're gonna have to have second thoughts about well, maybe that's not the case. Now, obviously for them, they made some. You know, Iowa made a couple of great plays. Lowry with the two pick sixes and the two punt returns. You know, that's 28 of our 50 plus points. So you know, and those things can be corrected just by better decision making. So you know, they, they will be able to look back on it. And, and honestly, I take my hat off to them because if I'm a player at Western Michigan, I can hang my hat on the fact that we went and played Northwestern, we went and played Michigan State, and we went and played Iowa. And as a player, that would be an exciting, daunting task to take on, especially in their conference. I mean, their conference is pretty darn good football. Let's uh, just spend one more moment in the look back machine. Do you ever recall playing in a game where you were on the team that scored four different ways in a single game? Oh, oh, probably not. I mean, um, I mean, that's pretty unique. I mean, that's to be honest with you, probably not. I mean, it would have to be in a, a rare circumstance, I would think. I mean, we were on a, a lot of times we scored 50-plus points when I was at Iowa, but, you know, those are either mostly offensive plays or, or some, some form of that, so uh, I can't recall it. Well, there's only seven ways you can score, at least than we were talking about that Saturday during the game. A safety yep. is one they didn't get. A kickoff return for a TD is one they didn't get. And a fumble return for a, a touchdown that they didn't get. But there's no other way to score in a game other than that and the four ways they did, is yeah. there? Not that I can think of. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a good point. And, um, you know, the thing we have talked about, though, it is good because that feeds off of it now. Now you know you can score on special teams. Now you know you can score on defense. And now you know you can score on offense as far as, you know, getting some success with your with your offensive game. So, uh, you know, that's a great thing to have as we get ready for Big Ten play. Saturday started again. First drive, they did score. They got a field goal, which was their first points on any opening drive this year. But still, they were unable to finish the drive, and, and they had it second and goal on the one. I think that got, got people worried but they certainly got uncorked as the game progressed after the first quarter especially yeah and you know I, I was joking with you but you, you take you take a lot of grief a lot of times you know when you make a stance and I, I said that I love certain third down and one calls the first game of the season that didn't work out when we passed the ball but here we line up and we try to run the ball when we need a yard and we don't get it and, and you know now all those naysayers are saying well we should have had play action pass to Fedorowitz or something you know so it's easy to be a critic but uh, yeah I mean that wasn't obviously Iowa's had a very very strong running game and very effective and, and you would like to think they can line up. But I think you you pointed out, I mean, Western Michigan said, you know what, we're putting 11 in the box. And you, you were very, very astute of that and saw that and, and made that call. And, and you were absolutely right. It's tough to run when you got 11 guys in there saying you're not going to run it here. I was averaging 81 plays a game through the first four games. They're running the most offensive plays per game in the Big Ten right now. Last year, they were last in that category. That's really just a 180. Yeah, and it's, you know, I think a lot of it's time up possession, you know, and, and we're controlling the running game, we're, we're moving the chains, we're having long, sustained drives, and we're having effectiveness with the running game, and that's that's part of the, the ability that we're able to get so many snaps in. It'll be interesting to see as we get into the tougher part of our schedule how that all plays out, but ultimately, I do like the tempo. I like the idea of getting up there, seeing what they're in, and then getting your offense in a, in a play that's going to work. I mean, that's the beauty of, of football is, you know, it's you don't want to sit there and be bullheaded and say, well, we're running the ball right here, and then they come out in the defense that stacks it right there. You don't want to get 
get in that situation. You want to line up, see what they're going to do, and then put your offense in a great play. And I think that's what they're doing right now. Yeah, and the tempo, they again last week varied it substantially. It was interesting. After they got that big lead in the third quarter, they went really into a hurry-up mode, and I think we're working on the passing game more than the runs. But the time of possession stats are equally interesting along with the number of offensive plays in every game. They've had three games this year where their their time of possession was more than 36 minutes, including last Saturday's, which was 36-11. Not only does that give your defense rest, man, that keeps the other team's defense out there a long time. Yeah, especially the style of play we're playing. We're leaning on you. We're pounding on you over and over and over again. I mean, that gets, you know, that gets to be, uh, and now we're running that fullback in there and hammering on guys too. And trust me, I'm telling you, those are big collisions. And as a linebacker, if you're not taking that thing on square and you start taking an edge, now you got to crease. You know, that's exactly what happens is the linebacker says, I'm not going to take this guy square on anymore and throws the left shoulder in there. Well, now there's a two-foot gap inside and, and Wiseman or Bullock's going to hammer it in there and we're coming out the other side. So it's a it's a tough game. And, and when you play our style of physical nature, you know, defensively, you, you're going to find out you need to line up and, and get after it. And if you don't, Iowa's going to run downhill on you. Run heavy again on Saturday, but it became more balanced as the game progressed. And they had 58 rushes for 258 yards, two TDs. They were 15 of 18 passing for 188 yards and two TDs. The yardage difference is not as unbalanced as the run-to-pass difference. The passing game appeared to be more effective, and they averaged over 17 yards per completion last Saturday. You know, I'm trying to think of how I I view it. And and to some extent, it's a little bit like watching Alabama. You know, when when they run the ball so effectively, when you watch McCarron drop back, he's throwing to guys that are there's no one within eight yards of them when they're throwing out routes or comebacks or whatever, just because they're they're committing so much to stopping the run that now you have guys running routes against defensive backs that are basically retreating because they you know they everybody else is playing the run, so you got a lot of space in there to complete those balls, and I think we've been very very efficient with that. It's going to be interesting to see how that all translates as we do get into the Big Ten if teams are basically saying and and, and ultimately let's be honest, here's what if I'm playing Iowa, I know who I'm, I'm, Mark Wiseman or Jake Rudock, you know who who do you want? to make beat you. Well, I know Mark Wiseman can beat me right now. I'm going to see if this young quarterback can. And I think teams are going to ultimately try to get us in that mode where we're going to line up and get in shotgun and throw the ball around a little bit and see if we can play that game. And so ultimately, you know, that's one of the things I would have liked to have seen out of our passing game a little bit more is some shotgun, you know, some empty. We do a little bit of it. Uh, they have thrown some fl- flavors in there, a little bit of it. And, and so that is good. And, and and it is a work in progress. And But I've been very, very pleased with the way they brought this young quarterback on. I think, I think we may have a guy that's the real deal, you know, sitting in the pocket for a few more years here at Iowa. Yeah, Rudock, several times last Saturday, it was pretty much really like the first three games for him. He shows a lot of poise, shows a lot of smarts, extends plays. But Saturday, I think more so than the first three games, we saw him step up in the pocket and, and wait for the receiver to get open and willing to take a hit that he knew was coming in order to try to complete that play. Yeah, yeah, very tough kid. And you can tell that he's, you know, he's got a, he's got a, he's got a great demeanor about him you know and, and I you know I, I I guess I assume coming out of St. Thomas Aquinas he'd be a little you know a little Catholic boy or something a little preppy or whatever but but I'm telling you what I just I love watching him play I love his makeup I love his you know he doesn't call guys out he's willing to do exactly what you're talking about he's willing to dive for the pylon and put his body out there and then when he needs to drill it in there you know like on the conversion to pile down the, the right sideline I mean he can throw on a rope when he needs to it's like I said I'm 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 an excited Hawk fan right now watching this guy play the other thing that's 
interesting as you watch on the sidelines, either in person, you can see it a little bit more, but the TV shots have shown, shown it several times where when he comes off the field, he's going and talking to the linemen, he's talking to the backs, he's talking to the receivers. He even goes down to the other end of the bench and he's talking to the defensive guys. I'm guessing they're trying to demonstrate his willingness to take on a leadership role for the entire team. Yeah, and like I said, the thing I see is similar to that is just, you know, he's not getting caught up in the emotion. I mean, a lot of times it's an emotional game and, and stuff, and, and obviously he's enjoying the moment and, and all that, but he's, he, you can tell his focus is always there. It's always on the next snap, the next play, and that's a skill set. It, it takes time, and, and it, he, he's just done a great job of showing that poise and, you know, the ability to snap back. I mean, the play against Northern Illinois, that can break kids. You know, and for him, it looked like it was a catapulting type of thing where he vaulted his game up and stepped it up and said, you know what, I'm not making that mistake again. I'm going to be cleaner, and, and he has been. Saw a backup quarterback play for Iowa for the first time since 2011. C.J. Beathard played from the third quarter on. What'd you see out of him? Big kid, man. Big, you know, physical guy. And, you know, it's just, it's just like I said, it, there's nothing like taking a snap in front of 70,000 people in a game that matters, not a spring game, not a practice, and, and knowing that I can do that now. And if, and, and if I'm called upon at some point down the road, I've done it. Even though it was Western Michigan, even though we we're up 28 points or whatever, I've done that. And so it's 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 going to prove to be invaluable. He he will practice better now. He will he will have a more a cleaner mindset as he goes into understanding. Okay, I know what what it's like now, and I want it. I'm I'm hungry for it. And so it's going to make him a better player. He showed a quick release, real strong arm. That that 54 yard pass completion in full stride to Damon Powell was pretty terrific. You know, he's kind of like Rudock in the sense that both of these quarterbacks don't seem to have any hesitation about taking off and running with the ball. That, that's kind of the new game. I mean, the high school game has gotten so athletic now and, and, and putting quarterbacks, the trigger guys now are really athletic guys that can run and throw it. You know, they're very, very comfortable. A lot of that, you know, a lot of these high schools are running that zone read and so guys are comfortable tucking it and running it as they are dropping back and throwing it and it's uh, it's a good combination to have. Wiseman only had 10 carries for 43 yards. He didn't play a whole lot of the game but you saw Jordan Kanzeri and LaShawn Daniels both have really nice games. Kanzeri led the team with 73 yards, Daniels 54. Daniels had that fumble early and a lot of people were speculating, well, you'll never see him again until 2014, but he came back in and he had a nice game. Yeah, and it's honestly, this is going to sound bad, but it's hard not to with that front line right now, the way they're playing. I mean, they're really doing a good job of coming downhill, getting on bodies, getting to the next level, getting on backers. And if you're willing to tuck it in there behind them and stay tight with those uh, those double teams, you're going to get positive yardage. And then the ability to, to slide one hole in that zone running game and come out hard the other side, I mean, it's, it's tough to defend. And, and so it's great to see multiple bodies in there you're going to need depth in the Big Ten especially the style that we play so you know that's going to be an area where still like to see home run hitters in there you know I mean guys that can just you know completely change the the outcome of a game on one snap so hopefully they can continue to develop that I thought I saw sparks of it at times you know you see an athletic burst but uh, you know hopefully they'll continue to develop. His fumble and Ference in his Tuesday press conference said it wasn't his fault per se but his fumble and and Rudox from the week before the two weeks I don't recall exactly both of those were cases where the defender came in and hit the helmet right on the ball. Is there much a player, if you're carrying the ball, you're the rusher, the, whether you're a quarterback or running back or whoever, when you have a helmet right on the ball like that, what can you try to do to protect against losing the ball? In those it's hard. You know, three points of pressure is what you always want to have.
grab, you want your fingers, your forearm, and your and your and your side, you know, your, your your body. You know, when you're running and that ball's, you know, even if just moving out of position by an inch, you lose a you lose a contact point, and and if you catch it at the right time, or, or you know, an arm comes in and punches at the right time, it's tough to hang on. I mean, it's a you know, they talk about game of inches, and that's kind of a perfect example of how little things like that can be. You know, the only thing is, is just when you are in traffic, covered up, two hands on it. But if you're a running back or you're a quarterback and you're looking to extend plays, you know, I mean that you never see those guys sprinting out with with both hands on the ball, you know, and and covering up in a in a fullback type of position. Jake Hillier had a nice game last week. That nifty little move and run after the catch for that one touchdown play. You, you've seen him come on now a bit. Tavon Smith, the other young receiver. Powell isn't even breaking into the two deeps yet, but he looks like a big play threat under any circumstance. Yeah, and, and ultimately that's a perfect example. You got Powell, who's you know maybe number three in the depth chart, but I guarantee you there's two things he does better than the number one guy. And good coaches are going to go, you do those two things. You know, we'll work the other things and develop those. But right now, we're going to use those two things because you are very, very good at those things. And that's what you have to do as a coaching staff. you got to play to your strengths. And, and obviously, he's got strengths. As you mentioned, it's... I, the, the the biggest thing for me that I'm just amazed is the ability for this young quarterback to distribute the ball. I mean, it looks like right now he doesn't have a favorite. I mean, it looks like he's got eight, nine favorites. I mean, and he's willing, this week we're going here, this week we're going. I mean, it's 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 incredible uh, that he's got that much confidence and poise of running this system and going through his reads. That he's just going to, you know, a lot of times the good systems will, the defense is going to tell you where to throw the ball. And if you're reading it out, that's where you're throwing it. And, and that, I think he's in that rhythm right now where he's being really, efficient with his decision making where he's putting the ball. Last year we complained a lot about the lack of involvement of the tight ends. Boy, this year they're not only involved a lot in that game, just talked about how many receivers ate again last week, and the tight ends are running some different routes too. It's kind of yeah. fun to watch them. It's almost like a blend of what you'd see a wideout normally run. Or yeah, and that's exactly right. In fact, I mean, to me they don't look like tight ends. I mean, they, they, they look like, you know, big receivers, which, you know, I just heard a great uh, commentary today on one of the radio stations about how you look at the NFL game there's a trend of big receivers you know Megatron and Fitzgerald and the Thomas guy from the Denver Broncos and Decker these guys are big physical guys and and and, and when you got guys that can run and, uh, and these guys can, you know, I mean, they can they can do things and stress the defense and get down in the, at the next level, and, and that's a great weapon to have for our offense. The defense completely shut down Western Michigan's offense. Obviously, it was overmatched last Saturday, yet that team put points on the board against Michigan State, which has one of the leading defenses in the country. They put a bunch of points on the board against Northwestern. What do you take away from the defensive performance? Well, to me, it's a, it's a similar it's similar to what we've seen. I mean, I think they're stingy against the run. You know, they, they make you earn yards in the run and they pound you every time they do. I think our linebackers I think our front forward doing a good job of messing things up. And then our linebackers are cleaning everything up. I mean they're really rallying and getting to the ball and getting it on the ground and, and which is a tribute to them and it's kind of it's kind of exciting to see an aggressive secondary. You know we sit and talk about it. I mean defenses can either they can hunker down and just play conservative umbrella, you know, coverage, or they can attack you. And offensively, you know, how many times have we seen teams dink and dunk and take six, seven, five, three, seven, eight? And well, now I mean, we're showing that, hey, you know, we'll jump that. Hey, it's going to put some, you know, second thought in quarterbacks' minds when they come sprinting out or they're going to look to throw that quick out route. That I better really take an extra long look at that guy and make sure he's in his back pedal. And so that's going to help us, you know, down the road. So it's exciting to see that pressure and that kind of freedom to make those reads. Now, obviously, the other part of that is, is 
you know, now offenses are going to attack you back knowing that you're willing to jump that, so they're, they're going to attack us there as well. So, But that's the cat and mouse game of it. But I've been very, very pleased with the way our defense has played. You know, I think I think they're getting better. It's fun to watch them because they're throwing a lot more blitzes at the opponents. Almost looks designed not necessarily to get sacks, but just to put pressure on it. Just a few sacks through the first four games, but a lot of pressure on the opposing quarterbacks. Those two guys last Saturday were running for their lives. Yeah, there's it's, it's unique. A lot of teams want to get to the edge. They want to extend play and buy time and you know you're doing a good job in the back end when you see guys looking 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 and then they still chuck it 10 rows up because that may not just truly tell you that there's no one open and there's no one getting open so it was you know like I said I, I, I like the fact that we minimized the big plays on the back end and, and we're more aggressive in some of our stuff. Yeah, and the other thing last Saturday is they didn't show the same susceptibility to the long pass completions that they had earlier but part of that may have been that pressure on those quarterbacks because they, they were running for their lives constantly yeah. kind of tough to, to complete a yeah, I, I think ultimately it was. Uh, it's hard for me to say because I do. I do say that here's a team that played competitively against you know Northwestern and Michigan State, and I, I look at it and I, as much as I take my hat off for them to line up and schedule three Big Ten teams, it would be very very difficult to line up undermanned, and that's what they are. They are undermanned as far as the talent and to play that kind of schedule and to try to get up and travel on the road, you know, three out of four weeks and, and play at a high level. And I think might have just came out and they said, you know what, let's just get through this and get to the next game and move on. Interceptions were a big part of Iowa's game Saturday. They You had Tanner Miller getting his second interception in the end zone in three games, but then, of course, the record-setting performance by B.J. Lowry, two pick-sixes. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of teams that are going to obviously spin it against us and throw it and, and, and ta- challenge us on that standpoint, and they still will. They're going to continue to do that, and you know we are going to need to continue to get better back there and lock things down and because the passing games we, we, we're going to see going forward are going to be a little bit more efficient than what we have seen so far. But, but that being the case, we are getting better, and, uh, you know, those bust, you know, those pure breakdowns where guys are running free, those are being minimized, and, and we're seeing less and less of those, and that's a good thing. Huge day for Iowa special teams, not the least of which, obviously, was the two punt returns for TDs by Cavante Martin-Manley. Honestly, that's where I saw the biggest discrepancy between the two teams, is just the athleticism of Iowa versus the athleticism of Western Michigan. We just had more athletes, and you really saw it, because, I mean, guys were not even close to making tackles against him either time, and it looked like all 11 of our guys were faster than all 11 of their guys that were chasing him at that point so but that that's that tells you where Iowa's program is in my opinion I mean it gets back to what we've always said is I think you know they're a top 25 35 team the 30,000 foot view says you know here we're in a unique position because I can make a case that they can win every single game they play from here on out and I can also make a case that they could lose every single game they play from here on out kind of lost in all the records and the excitement over the score was the play of the kicker Mike Meyer not only got his 50th field goal for his career but his 99th consecutive PAT Wow. Yeah, I mean, those need to be about automatic. I mean, that's kind of needs to be the, the, the general trend that you would be running for. But what people lose lose sight of is it's an operational deal. It's a snap, hold, kick. It's a protect. Four different things have to take place cleanly for that to work. And, and to be, you know, 99 in a row is pretty darn impressive. After the Big Ten update, Marv talks the Minnesota game in the annual battle for Floyd of Rosedale. And he discusses this 3-1 and Iowa team through non-conference play. Third down. Western has struggled big time in third downs. Blitz coming. Interception to the house. B.J. Lowry. Pick six. 35-yard return. Lowry's second interception of the season. The Hawkeyes have scored in all three phases today. Offense, special teams, and defense. B.J. Lowry, 35-yard interception return, and Iowa extends its lead to 38-3.
How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. In our Big Ten update this week, through the first four weeks of play, almost exclusively non-conference, four Big Ten teams remain undefeated. There are only eight undefeated teams total in the FBS at this point. Only one of those four is in the leaders' division, that's Ohio State. The other three are in the legends, Northwestern, Michigan, and Iowa's opponent this week, Minnesota. Five other teams, including the Hawkeyes, have three and one records. Last week, Michigan barely escaped with a victory coming from behind to beat Connecticut in a similar scenario to the week before in the Akron game. Michigan State was nosed out at Notre Dame in a game marred by multiple pass interference calls on the Spartans. Two conference teams boast some of the longest winning streaks in the nation. Ohio State leads the FBS with 16 straight victories. Northwestern has the third longest streak at seven. Key matchups this week. Ohio State hosts Wisconsin in a primetime game on ABC. This is a battle of the last two leaders division champions and Iowa travels to Minnesota in their annual trophy game, the 79th time the bronze pig has been up for grabs. This is also the first Legends Division game of the year. In that game, three of last week's Big Ten Players of the Week will participate, Iowa's B.J. Lowry and Cavante Martin-Manley, and Minnesota's redshirt freshman quarterback Mitch Leidner. It's a bit unusual, but six Big Ten teams have a bye week on Saturday, including Michigan State, which faces the Hawkeyes the following week. Six Conference teams are among the nation's top 25 in rushing offense. Big Ten rushers have combined for 35 100-plus yard efforts so far this year. Nine times, two or more players from the same team have had 100 or more yards in the same game. And this includes two times where three Wisconsin backs did this. Minnesota has had two players with 100 yards in the same game twice already this year. Big Ten teams and players are appearing in several NCAA stat rankings. Minnesota is 21st in scoring offense and 13th in rushing offense. The Hawkeyes rank 24th in that category. On the defensive side of the ball, Iowa is 26th in scoring defense, 19th in total defense, 23rd in passing efficiency defense, and 12th in rushing defense. The Gophers are 21st in rushing defense. Iowa is also 10th nationally in interceptions. And individually, Minnesota's Marcus Jones ranks 18th nationally in punt returns, and he's 20 sixth in kickoff returns. Four conference teams continue to appear in both the AP and USA Today national polls and in the same order this week. Ohio State leads the pack while Northwestern Michigan and Wisconsin also appear. Second down. Weissman slips a defender. Powers into the end zone. Touchdown Iowa. Four-yard touchdown run by Mark Weissman. Well, we've seen it so many times today. His ability to drop that shoulder and just take whatever he wants from that defense. He knew he needed four yards. Go ahead and drop that shoulder. I don't care if it's a defensive lineman, linebacker. I'm going to run you over and get in that end zone.
just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. And you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. Next, Marv Cook previews the Minnesota game and Big Ten play, and he grades the Hawkeyes through their non-conference portion of the season. Looking ahead now, Minnesota this week, Big Ten play begins. That conference play is a whole different level for this team. Floyd's on the line. A second straight year, interestingly, that Minnesota comes into the game 4-0. and This seems to me to be setting up, and it's not an over-exaggeration, the immovable object meeting the irresistible force here because Minnesota has 16 rushing touchdowns and Iowa hasn't surrendered a single rushing touchdown. Something has to give Saturday. Yeah, and you know, that's, Minnesota's always coming in with a pretty good record. I think it's a lot of it's because just their, their non-conference schedule is not as difficult as a lot of teams. So, you know, I don't get caught up. I'm not getting caught up in that part of it, but it's, it, it is, things do pick up in, in the Big Ten play. Now they're all back to zero and zero in, in, in Big Ten schedule. And, you know, Iowa's had unique ways of going up there and doing some spectacular things, having 200-yard rushers and 300-yard passing games and finding ways not to win the game. And, and ultimately, that's, I think this team has found, is finding ways to win and winning the close games. And, and, uh, and now they, they've proved that they can score in multiple ways and excited about the opportunity for them to go up there and, and, and get after a good Minnesota team. Who, who I think, you know, if you look at Minnesota, the one thing they've got, it's pretty unique, is they've got a coach that's going through some adversity. You know, Coach Keel has had these seizure issues, been going on for a few years now, and, and, and that's one thing that can be a distraction or it can be a unifying thing for a team. And I think this team has rallied behind their guy to know that he's fighting and dealing with some tough issues. And I think it's helped unify this team. And I think they've done a good job, the staff, of increasing the athleticism of the players in Minnesota. And, and they're getting better. They're definitely moving in the right direction, that's for sure. Their starting quarterback, Philip Nelson, is reportedly going to miss the game because of an injury. True freshman quarterback, Mitch Leidner, played last week, named Big Ten Player of the Week, Freshman Player of the Week, after that performance. Against San Jose State, the Gophers ran 64 times for 353 yards. On the flip side, they only completed 5 of 12 passes for 71. Now I guess you could say it's because they didn't need to pass. Aren't the Gophers going to have to be more than one-dimensional against Iowa's defense on Saturday? Without a doubt. I mean, I, I'm, they're, they're not going to be able to line up and run it 62 times. I can promise you that. I mean, it's going to take a balanced approach by them. And, and, and you know, on Iowa's Iowa, I mean, uh, Phil Parker, Norm Parker, I don't care who it is, they're going to try to make it one-dimensional. They're going to try to force you to throw it. Perfect example. Got a young quarterback. Who, you gonna, who do you want to be? Uh, the guy that you know can run it or, the, or this guy that is not proven yet in the Big Ten level as far as throwing the ball? And so I think they're going to force them to try to throw the ball and, and make that young quarterback beat us. And, and uh, you know, I think it's going to be a tough task for a young quarterback to do that. If you're st- the defense and you're scheming for blitzing the opponent but you're going to be blitzing a running quarterback as opposed to a passing quarterback contain yeah without a doubt i mean if you if you if you're blitzing the last thing you can have is him getting out of the pocket if you're bringing guys inside on blitzes and you're taking guys away from the edge you make sure that he does not get to the edge because if he gets the edge you're outnumbered you're flanked and you're gonna have massive problems so it, it takes great discipline you know the worst thing you can have happen and we see it all the time is you see a blitzer come and he runs in the back of one of his own guys. Well, that means you got two guys in the B gap or whatever 
whatever gap it is, that means somebody's not in the gap they're supposed to be in. That's a problem. And so you got to be really smart about that. I love the ideas of zone or run blitzes. You know, we've talked about it. And that's that's a very effective way to, to disrupt the running game and really put stress on an, on an offensive line. And, and I think we'll see quite a bit of that. And uh, But the key is if you are going to do that, like I said, you've got to keep contained. You've got to keep the ball inside. In terms of Iowa, they've now rushed for 200, more than 200 yards in each of their first four games. They've been running the ball 67% of the time. A lot of discussion now the last couple of days about this is almost shaping up as an old school football game. Physicality, pound the ball, beat up on your opponents. How do you see Iowa approaching this game? Is this an opportunity for them to do, especially given Minnesota's rush defense, which is also very good, is this an opportunity for them to try to open the game up more? Well, I I think they're going to do whatever it takes. I mean, I think they're going to come out and try to run the ball. Now, this is a perfect example where statistics can be misleading because Minnesota's first four games have been against teams that you wouldn't say are that effective offensively. And I think the defensive stats can, can look better because of it. And I, I think Iowa's still going to line up and they're going to try to get after it. They're going to try to come downhill on you and, and force you to play physical and, and, and see how that matches up. And if they feel like they've got the strength and the advantage, we're going to continue to pound away at that. And then ultimately that'll lead to our play action. But, you know, I, I still see Minnesota's having, I mean, it's, it's tough. It is tough to prepare for a team like Iowa who this is what they are, this is who they are, and, and when you line up and we're going to put two tight ends and a fullback and we're going to pound and we're going to run you know, the sheriff at you, the left tackle, the biggest, strongest guy on the, on the roster, and he's going to line up and pound away at you. It, it's hard to defend for 60 minutes. Iowa has, in spite of last year's win at Kinnick over Minnesota, they haven't had a lot of success recently playing in Minneapolis, and there's been some big plays in those games that really upset Iowa fans with yeah. special teams play yeah. problems. And, you know, we've had unique deals up there. I know they had turf issues one year when it was like rained and froze and, you know, it was a unique setting. The, the field conditions weren't very conducive to, to what we were ready for and just all kinds of different things. And you just, it's going to sound, I still think Iowa is the better program, has better athletes right now than Minnesota. And it's just one of those things you got to come out and you got to execute and you got you to stick to your game plan and, and, and play clean football. And if you do that, you'll win the game. But if if you don't, if you let free blitzers come and you get hit in the back and, you know, we've seen that where the ball comes out and quirky things, you know, like I said, I mean, I thought one game we went up there and completely dominated the game and still lost. You know, we missed a couple field goals or something and, and it comes down to one play and, and, you, and you lose the game, but statistically you dominated it. I mean, those are the things you can't have happen. You can't be the better team and, and lose. So, and, and I think this team's cleaner. I think this team is more efficient, smarter about the ball, really has has things down timing-wise. The passing game's obviously very efficient and, and the in the running game has been very effective. So uh, I just see Iowa being too strong uh, for Minnesota to take. Keys, prediction? Just, yeah, the physicality of our, our game, our offensive line, our running game. I mean, it gets back to, if you're seeing Iowa get three, four, five every single time running the football and we're running downhill and our backs are falling forward, which th- this is going to sound really, really, but if you, if you just see the forward lean and our backs are falling forward versus falling back, we've got the advantage. I mean, it's, as little as that sounds, but that means our offensive line are continue to push. It means we're winning the line of scrimmage. Our backs are running down hill you know versus the other way where back comes in hits up there's two guys he ends up getting pushed back I mean it's a small little thing but it ultimately determines you know the line of scrimmage and who's winning that battle and I just see Iowa's being too 
strong up front for that to take place. So I mean, I, I see a really workmanlike Big Ten game. I see Iowa winning, you know, twenty, you know, twenty-eight to fourteen, twenty-eight to seventeen. But 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 hopefully being in control throughout and 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 really showing its its physical dominance in this game. Two aspects to the closing question this week. One is obviously you have to take into consideration who the opponents have been through the first four games. Not the strongest schedule in the FBS, but regardless of who you're playing, you still need to show that you can do things in multiple ways. And what's your sense, three and one after non-conference play? What's your overall sense of this team right now? You know, to my honest, it's I think it's where I expected them to be. You know, I, I heard today that our three wins are against teams that combined record is 0-10. You know, and Northern Illinois has got a close victory over Idaho and a close victory over Eastern Illinois. I mean, 45-35 or 45-43 or something. So it's hard to hard to gauge that. You know, there was tons of parity in college football. I mean, look at Michigan playing Akron and playing you know UConn close and having to come from behind and win those games. So you know, I truly mean it. They could win every single game from here on out. They could lose every single game from here on out, and that's what makes football so great. And and I think you know to some extent the focus of Kirk Ferentz at times and the staff is let's win this game and then we'll play the next one. And and I think with this group of guys, especially that's going to be critical because you know when you when you have that pendulum and it can swing either way that quickly, you better be taking care of the little things each and every day in each and every week because otherwise the momentum and everything else can swing against you. And so it's going to be critical that they you know go up there, stay focused, and play the game and play the way it's supposed to be played. And and if they do that and play clean football, they should definitely come out and get the victory. The British! Sir! Do you know what I just saw? No, sir. A gopher! Gopher! Where? Do you know what gophers can do? Ooh, better get rid of those gophers. Is that clear? Oh, aye, sir. Very clear, sir. I'll put my best mind on it. I want you to kill every gopher. The little brown furry rodents. We can do that. Aye. We don't even have to have a reason. Do it, man. First down to the 19, fake to Fields, a bullet to the end zone, intercepted, Miller, the safety, Tanner Miller, the senior, makes the interception, his second of the season, and the Hawkeyes turn back the Broncos. Well, they tried to sell that play-action pass again, and it's hard to make that sell if you haven't been successful in the run game. Hawkeye's Mike Football Shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and as always, special thanks to Marv Cook. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. You can call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.